Thank you guys for praying for me last week. Y'all know I had, uh, they tested me for everything, so I didn't have none of the fun stuff that's been going around. Um, but thank you guys for praying for me. Thanks, Ted, for uh, covering. But we've been talking about a series called Spiritual Warfare. And um, I've really enjoyed this series because for a lot of us, we don't understand that the spiritual warfare we face is not what a lot of people have thought of what spiritual warfare is. You know, we think fighting devils, fighting demons and all that's good. But how many of us know by now, as we've been looking at this, probably the biggest devil you're going to fight is the one between your ears. You know? <laughs> we've been looking for devils under every rock and everything. But what God is doing is I believe he's bringing a church to the place where they understand who they really are in Christ. Um, and so I thought I was going to have to shut uh, Brent and uh, Jody down. I thought, well, you're getting into my message. Y'all need to quit. Um, <clears throat> but then I thought if I encourage Brent, that Brent could preach rather than this one. Yeah. So, you know. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk not in the flesh, we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not temporary, they're not part of the flesh, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now a lot of us get caught right there. And that's, we, we say that the weapons of our warfare are not, they're mighty. They're going to pull down strongholds. But you can't understand what strongholds he's talking about unless you finish reading the scripture. Because in verse 5, he starts telling you what those strongholds are. I'm telling you, one day I'm going to teach it of what works of the flesh is. When you look at what works of the flesh is, it's things that we've tried to call demonic. <laughs> and what it is, it's the result of an unrepented mind. Remember what word repentant means. Repent means to change your mind. It's the word metanoia. It means to change your mind on a subject. Some of us need to repent on how we see ourselves. Come on. So us need to repent on how we have been viewing ourselves all the while. See, the church has been real good about judging behaviors, but we've not done a lot to change hearts. Because we think if we can get somebody just to quit doing what they're doing, then they're okay. I can quit. I won't, don't like to, Dave. But I can quit eating cake. But that doesn't change how I desire that cake. <laughs> but I had to repent. There has to come a change where I understand what I'm doing is a result of what I'm thinking about myself. Amen. Mm, I'll get there. So verse 5, he says, what are the strongholds? He says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalt itself. Now that word exalt has a, has a connotation to it when you read it in the original language. It has a connotation to it as giving a high voice. 
anything that starts to speak louder than the truth of God. He says it exalts itself against the knowledge of God <clears throat> and bringing into captivity what? Every demon? No. I'm going to go take... I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back, no. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thought, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're out here trying to fight all these different things and what God is trying to get us to do is turn our attention to our own self, our own thought life, our own imagination, our own ideas of ourself. Come on. And so we want to continue this. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. If you hear me crunching a cough drop, I'm sorry. Let me finish that or I'll choke myself out. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not a, a flesh and blood thing we're fighting. But against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take into yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in, in the evil day and having done all to stand therefore stand having your loins girt about with truth we've covered that having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked <clears throat> and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching to this thing, watching to this very thing with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Go back to verse 14. Because well, I want to finish verse 14 today. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, therefore stand having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness now what this is is a place around your your heart it's the place that's going to cover the front of your body we talked about having your loins girt about how they would take up their, their robes and, and Peter tells us having your, the loins of your mind girded 
So we know that he's talking about still things in the mind. And so he said, so what you need to take on yourself to cover your heart is the righteousness of God. Amen. So what is righteousness? Should be up there. If it's not, here we go. Righteousness is the character or quality of being right or just. It is brought into a right relationship with God. To be made innocent and holy. The word justified also means the same. So as we look at this, I want us to understand what the church has been real good at. <coughs> the church has been real good at, and we've made an art out of it. And this is why, like Brent, you need to calm down over there. The church has made an art out of trying to make people holy. We get people to come into the church and the first thing we do is tell them what they can't do. You can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. can't go here and you can't go there. You can't wear this. You can't wear that. We've made an art out of telling people what they can't do rather than telling them what Christ has already done. <clears throat> We've given them a set of rules and a set of regulations so they went from bondage to bondage. And we have the nerve to say who the sun sets free is free indeed. Well, how am I free if I have to do all this stuff to make sure God's not mad at me and God's not angry with me and God's just looking for any opportunity to know. That's not freedom. That's, what, what, what does First John tell us? Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because he goes on to say, for fear with fear comes with the thought of punishment. So if I'm loving God just so he won't punish me, then am I really loving God? And if God's loving me only for everything that I can do right, then does he really love me? Now my parents are here this morning. I haven't always done everything right. At all. But you know one thing I always knew? They love me. I know you all think I'm perfect. Don't talk to them today. You see, but that's not what the church has done. We have told everybody, how, hey, we've written books, how to be more holy. And the problem is, is we register all this thing, and this is something that Ted and I talk about all the time, and if you're around me much, you'll hear it, because we have taken a westernized American version of Christianity and said, well, this is how it has to be. So when we go into other parts of the world, I've got Ruth back here. Ruth, would you say the customs of Sri Lanka 
are different than the customs in America. <laughs> so see what happens to us is we go into other places and rather than really preach Jesus, come on, we start teaching our way of what Jesus is. He's not going to be, you know, in some, I'm trying to remember the country, it left me off the top of my head, but there was a country I read, uh, the, the missionaries were going in to, to uh, write the Bible in this language, <coughs> and in their culture, if somebody knocked on your door, that means they're there for bad things. Because their culture was, you just opened the door and went in and announced yourself. Only people who knocked were the ones who wanted to make sure you weren't home. And so the debate came, what do we do with the scripture that says, behold, I stand at the door and knock? <laughs> well, how can he be, how can Jesus then be a good guy? Because the only ones that knock are the ones here to rob us. Folks, we really have to come to the point where we quit trying to make Christianity fit our Western culture. Amen. <laughs> okay, I'll move on. And so we're talking about righteousness. What all this got to do with righteousness? Dan, I'm glad you asked. Go to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, verse 6, you all know this one, says, but we are all like an unclean thing. And that's where the church has stopped. We're all like an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Just keep that up there, Bobby. Can, can you go back one soon? I want you to notice something. Because when we quote this in church most of the time, we quote all of our righteousness, all of our righteousness. You notice that's a plural word. Righteousness is That really bugged me, Dan. I'm like, righteousness is righteous. So I had to do some study. That is actually a plural word. And what it means is any attempt that you and I do to try to make ourselves right with God is like a filthy rag. Now, I'm not going to get gross. But you need to do a study on what the filthy rag was. It has to do with a woman. In 28 days, I'll leave it at that. Any attempt that you and I try to do to make ourselves right with God, he, that's how he views it. But now the church doesn't. We say, do this and you're right with God, do this and you're right with God, do this and you're right. Any attempt, come on, somebody's got to be with me this morning. Any attempt that we do to make ourselves right with God 
is worthless, filthy thing. What it really is, it's believing that what we do is better than what Jesus did. Try that over here. It's believing that what we do is better than what Jesus did. Can you imagine what it would be if the church would really preach Christ-centered gospel? Amen. Amen. Where he was enough. He was enough for one and for all. Amen. Come on. When we get up and we have to realize, like Brent said earlier, and the Holy Spirit gave it to him, and it didn't make sense because it wasn't supposed to make sense till today, that we can't do anything in ourselves to make you more right with God than you are right now. And anytime that that starts coming up in your head, your job in spiritual warfare is to take that thought captive. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not holy. You're not righteous. You don't read enough. You don't pray enough. You don't talk enough. You don't witness enough. You don't do this. You don't do this enough. You don't, what is that? It sounds like ways of trying to make myself right with God. Y'all are quiet. It's ways of making ourselves right with God. Okay, so how do I get right with God? Go to 2 Corinthians. Dave really wants to know. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5. I know I tell you this was one of my favorite scriptures all the time. This really is my favorite. <clears throat> this scripture changed my life. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation the moment you accepted the salvation that was already provided for you by Jesus and the realization of who you are in him and you accepted that salvation there was an absolute drastic change you didn't just become a better version of yourself that new creation means that you became something that never existed before you're not, you're not a better version of yourself. So, see, if I was a better version of myself, that means I would have to keep working to maintain that. He said, if anyone is a new creation, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, your old life is gone. Okay? Your old life is gone.
So our job now is to tell others that God has already reconciled his self to them. They've already been brought back in. He's already reconciled them. So now all that they have to do is accept what has already been done. It's that easy. It's not the rules. It's not the regulations. It's not all this stuff that we keep putting on ourselves. <coughs> now here, here, get this. Verse 19. That it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. Christ was God. Amen. See, we get this idea. Oh. We get this idea that somehow God turned away from Jesus on the cross. How can God turn away from himself? But why was Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was all, you do realize that was the beginning. Jesus was actually singing from the cross. Psalms 22. In Psalm, that was one of the most popular songs that was sung in temple at that day. That was Jesus singing the prophetic last say, what else do you need to know? You sing about this moment. You sing about this. And so he began to say it to them. See, because if you go back and read Psalm 22, he, say, he thinks that God has left him. But down in a couple verses, he says, but you did not leave your servant. So Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world. See, God knew that there was nothing man can do to make himself righteous. So he came down, Hebrews says, when he could swear by none greater. When he couldn't make a, a covenant with anyone else, he made it with himself. And when he made the covenant with himself, it was to bring all mankind in. Well, why don't they do it? Because we've told them it takes everything else to be right with God. Jesus hasn't been enough yet. Come on. Well, what do you mean Jesus hasn't been enough? Because we've told them what they can't do. What they can do. Okay. It was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses against them. Long story short, what that actually means, God's not holding their sins against them. What do you mean God's not holding man's sins against them? Jesus took care of sin. Amen. See, you have to cover your heart with this mindset. You have to cover, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not this, I failed, I messed up, okay, get up. You're still him. You're acting as if your righteousness is determined on your behaviors. Try it over here. 
you're acting like your righteousness is determined by your behavior. Your righteousness has nothing to do with your behavior. Your righteousness is founded end and beginning in Christ alone. On the cross, your righteousness was forever settled with God. <laughs> you mean there's... Oh, Uh, he is not imputing the trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now we are ambassadors for Christ as though we were pleading, as though God were pleading through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now get this. For he, what? Made him who knew no sin to be sin. You got to get the wording in this. Jesus didn't carry your sins on the cross. He actually became sin. In man, God represented the end of the old covenant of taking everything that had to have a sacrifice, everything that had to have blood, all of that stuff that man had to do year after year after year he said alright I'll settle this once and for all a man is going to make the sacrifice so Jesus took on humanity as God to make a sacrifice once and for all by his own blood so that you and I would be forever made right with God And anything that tells you you're not is an imagination that you need to grab a hold of. And you need to tell that imagination, that thought that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. <laughs> um, he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become what? The righteousness. Of God. Christ has made us everything that He was right with God, sons and daughters. And I don't care what spiritual battle you think you're fighting, you'll never fight one that's bigger than the idea of constantly reminding yourself that you have been made right with God. Because we are, it's, we're so easy to point out our failures. It's so easy to remember our flaws. I just can't forgive myself. Well, it's a good thing your forgiveness doesn't determine, doesn't, uh, isn't based on you. Your forgiveness isn't based on you, it's based on Christ. Your righteousness isn't based on your behaviors, it's based on Christ. Come on. And so you have been made right with God because of nothing you did. And nothing you're going to do will make you any more right with God. Or less right with God. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Tyler. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
Verse 30. But of him you are in Christ, Jesus, who became for, who, who became for us wisdom from God. Now this is what Christ became for you. Come on. Who became for us. Everybody get that, right? So what did he become for me? Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Yeah, but I've got to do this, Dan, and I've got to do this, Dan, and I've got to do this, Dan. No. Christ has already became on your behalf your wisdom he already became your righteousness. He already became your sanctification. He already became your redemption. Well, what if he already became these things, what's left for me to do? Come on, say it again. Well, this is a hard life to live, isn't it? Because Now, you think Brent's just being funny. Let's go to the next verse. That it is written, he that glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. What are we glorying in the Lord for? Because he became my righteousness. He became my sanctification. He became my redemption. He did it all. It started and it ends with Christ and you don't need to get involved. See, there's a spiritual battle that's taking place, but it's taking place in your mind that tells you you're not good enough for God. You're not righteous enough for God. You're not holy enough for God. Well, that's good, but, you, but it doesn't, it's not based on me. It's based on Jesus who became my righteousness. He became my sanctification. He became my redemption. He did it all. And if we could preach a Christ-centered gospel, Bob, who wouldn't sign up for that? <laughs> We've got to come to the point where we remember that our righteousness is not based on us. And our identity does not change when issues pop up in my life or I fall into habits or sin Come on. That's why John also says, if you sin, that means you don't have to. If anyone sins, he has an advocate with the Father. In other words, he's got one that's going to the Father saying, hey, he's being a knucklehead. But remember, his righteousness is not based on him. He stands before the Father and says, His righteous, knucklehead's righteousness is based on me. And so when the Father looks back here to me being a knucklehead, He looks through the veil and through the vision of the blood that was shed on the cross. He looks through Jesus to see me. And whenever He looks through the Son, He sees the works of the Son. And everything behind it takes the look of the Son. This is the breastplate of righteousness. 
This gives me the right. This is why Hebrews says now, let us go boldly before the throne. Don't go before God's throne. I'm just a dirty old rotten. I'm just a filthy old... No. Go before the throne saying, I belong here. You, don't, you look at me, you don't see my being a knucklehead. You see the blood. Matter of fact, I'm so covered in it, Jesus scooted over and said, here, sit up here with me. Because Ephesians says that we have been seated together with Christ in heavenly place. You've got to realize, you're not, your throne is not even based in this world, on this planet, in the flesh. First Corinthians chapter 10. Amplified classic says, and in accordance with this will, whose will of God, we have been made holy. You mean you're bigger than God's will? You can't, I'm not holy. God's will is that you are holy. That you've been made holy. Glory to God. In accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once and for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Furthermore, every human priest stands at his altar of service ministering daily. Offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which are never able, this is back to our righteousnesses, which are never able to strip away every, ooh, from every side of us the sin that envelops us and take them away. So every offering of man can do nothing to remove sin. But you've got to realize what he said. He said, Christ has already made us holy. But they stand and continue to offer sacrifice. They're continuing to do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. Do, 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 do. Whereas the one Christ, this one Christ, after he has offered up a single sacrifice for our sins that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until his enemies should be made his footstool beneath his feet. Verse 14. For by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who were concentrated and made holy. Your righteousness, not only does it cover your chest here, but it's forever. He has forever done it through the one sacrifice. So what happens is the, the enemy attacks our minds on this point, tries to tell us we're less than, 
tries to tell us we can't do it. And so if we really want to be right with God, Greg, then you need to do X, Y, and Z. Well, what's that, what's that do? I might as well have looked at Jesus and said, jump off there, big boy, I'll take it. Come on. But God knew. I was talking with Ted this week. I think it was this week. About Abraham. And I know I was talking to my mom about it. When God made a covenant with Abraham, they took a bull and they split it down the middle. Abraham tried to get involved and he was shooing all the birds away and, and all this. And God knew that if Abraham got involved in the covenant-making process, he would mess it up. So he caused Abraham to go to sleep. Then comes Jesus. Because God knew if man got involved in this righteousness, he'd mess it up. And so what did he do? He took man out of the equation and he himself, God himself, wrapped humanity around his own body and became the sacrifice that took away the sin of the world and now has brought us in and he became our righteousness. He became our sanctification. He became it all because he knew if I got involved with God, I'd mess it up. Why? Because that's just what I do. Romans chapter 10, I'm almost there. Even though Ted called me out last week for lying. I was watching. <laughs> Romans chapter 10 verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And seeking to establish their own righteousness, uh-oh, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. What does it mean to submit? To, here, if I walk back here and I grab Jeff in a chokehold and we're in a cage... And he starts, what does that mean? He tapped out. He submitted. When we're seeking to do our own righteousness, we're fighting God himself. We are not submitting to the righteousness of God. You basically are looking at God saying, I've got this. I'll do this, this, and this, and then you'll love me more. I'll do X, Y, Z, and then you'll care about me. Then I'll really know that you love me. Folks, I can tell you right now that he loves you. Does that mean I do everything right and I never fall and I never make mistakes and I never need to go back and say, God, I'm sorry, absolutely not. But even though I fall and even though I make mistakes and even though I may sin, it doesn't change the fact that he loves me. And it doesn't change the fact that my righteousness is still based on Christ, never anything I've done. So what I do, I just say, he come back and say, hey, I'm a knucklehead. I've done it again. Anybody ever been there? I've done it again. 
Well, it's good because he's faithful and just. See, we forget the Bible was written to churches and to believers. It says, if we confess our sin, he's talking to a group of believers here, brother. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Oh, come on. <laughs> and to what? Cleanse us from anything that's unrighteous. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I want to... Hot dog, yeah. Sweet child of mine. Love it. <laughs> Could you get a better song to go than right then to just then? <laughs> it's exactly how he feels about you. Sweet child of mine. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. She knows how to get there. I want to leave you with two scriptures. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. says, And be found in him. He's writing to the church of Philippi here. And be found in him, not having my own. Which is of the law. In other words, a set of rules. That's what the law was. But what did, it, what did the scripture before say? Jesus was an end to that law. Oh, mercy. And, not, and being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, not faith in Christ. It was Christ's faithfulness that made me righteous. Not my faithfulness. Oh, mercy. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is the, of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. Now this is something you have to take on. We're talking about the armor of God. You have to, you have to constantly remind yourself of this. You have to constantly put this on. You... Martin Luther said, we need to be reminded of the gospel so often because we forget it so often. Which is of God by faith. How do I do this? You submit to this. You finally give up. You finally give up your efforts. You finally, I'm telling you, it's so much fun to serve God when you get off the hamster wheel. Come on. Now this one you're probably not going to like as much. Go to Galatians chapter 5. I would, I would encourage you this week to read Galatians 5 about six times. Christ is become of no effect unto you. 
Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. In other words, all my efforts to keep trying to do it means that I keep pulling away from grace. And every time I try to tick the right box, and every time I try to do the right thing, every time I try to make God love me more, I am falling away from grace. Okay, I'm doing more, and I'm doing more, and grace keeps getting farther away. Why is it feeling so far away? I keep doing the right things, but it just keeps getting farther. But I need to do more than then I keep falling. But I need to do more because grace is way over there. I'm way out here, so let me do more. And I keep moving far. But the moment I submit that Christ was enough, the cross was enough, when I submit to that righteousness, then I am pulled by love, by grace, into a right relationship with God falling from grace is not falling back into sin it's falling into self effort and performance one more shut up Ted Galatians chapter 2 and this really will be it Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even when we have believed, that word believed means to be persuaded of. Even when we have been persuaded of Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh is justified. And what's Jesus say to you right now? Come unto me, all you that labor. I'm trying to do it right, God. I'm trying to do it right, God. Come unto me, all you who've labored and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Because I became your righteousness. I became your wisdom from God. I became your sanctification. I became your perfection. So come to me. Rest. Submit to my righteousness. And not your own. And all of a sudden the heart is covered. And there's no fiery darts that can penetrate the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> let's pray Father I thank you for today and I thank you for this group of people and I thank you how much you love me Lord you are enough Jesus I don't need my efforts you are enough and anything that I do that causes me to fall into self effort I repent I change my mind. I come to you to do a complete 180. And you draw me back into that grace. Father, I love you so much. You are beautiful, Lord. But I thank you that in return, you look right back at me. You call me son. And you let me know that as your son, bride, and brother, I drive you crazy with your passion for me.
Father, we love you. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Don't forget.